Good morning, good morning. It is so good to see you all. I'm sorry to interrupt such a lovely... I mean, I love our church. There's so much, like, connection, and everybody's happy to see everybody. There's a genuine joy and delight in being with each other, and that's one of our best features. So I love it. Thank you for showing up. Because your presence makes it richer for everyone here. So thank you. On this hot, hot day, we got AC here, at least. It's good. My name is Charles. I'm the lead pastor here. Welcome. We are in a sermon series called Unexpected Jesus. Because he was always so surprising, right? He always was very unexpected, and so far we've had great sermons delivered by Allison and Mike and Amelia, and today I want to talk about how our assumptions can blind us to the possibilities God can open up for us in our lives. There are limiting assumptions in everyone's heads. Both personally and society-wide, these assumptions hold us back. For example, a thousand years ago, everyone knew, just knew for a fact, that disease was caused by these things called humors that were out of balance in your body. And so the most common remedy whenever someone felt sick was they would do this thing called bloodletting. Have you ever heard of this? They would cut you up and just let you bleed for hours and hours and hours. And this was the treatment. (laughs) So, I mean, as you can imagine, this most likely did more harm than any good, but everyone did it. For hundreds and hundreds of years, this was just known as the thing to do. You see how this assumption held back entire societies? Such assumptions, scholars call it, is the light by which we see. The very light by which we see reality and how it works. It's not that we see reality clearly We all have this interpretive grid and assumptions that affect that grid. And when that very light by which we see is skewed and biased and limited, it can hold back everyone, like bloodletting. Or other examples, women could not vote 100 years ago. Women could not own property. They were more like property themselves. And this was just known to be the right way to go, both east and the west everywhere, right? Bad assumption, bad light by which we saw, right? 60 years ago, interracial marriage was illegal here in New York. Can you imagine? Can you just even imagine such a thing? That was just known to be the thing to do. And it's not that far, that's not that long ago, is it? 
All these assumptions held back societies, people. And once we could break free of them, only then could we enjoy more rich, more free, more diverse life for all of us. Which begs the question, are there such assumptions today in our own lives, both personally and society-wide? Is it possible there are hidden assumptions, the light by which we see that's skewed, that if we got corrected, it will lead to much better life. What do you think the answer is? Of course, yes. <laughs> right? We are not that different from people 500 years ago. People are people. But we can't see it because we are living in it right now. Right? Just like they couldn't see it back then. So... That's partly why spirituality and faith and investing and connecting to the living God and God's voice is such a good, uh, worthy effort because the better we get connected to God's voice, the better our chances of seeing where our assumptions are and get free from them. This was a speciality of Jesus. He opened up people's eyes. He blew up assumptions. He, he surprised so many people, so unexpected, especially for the benefit of those who were marginalized and oppressed by the system and unseen and put down. Jesus was, Jesus majored and blowing up assumptions so that we could all enjoy better lives. So we're going to look at one such instance today from the book of John, chapter 9. It tells a story. As Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Teacher, who sent? This man was born blind or his parents that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that through him the works of God might be displayed. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Such a fascinating passage. Let's dig in. The disciples of Jesus ask, well, upon seeing a man born blind, you guys can come in and take a seat. No, don't worry. It's all right. No problem. <laughs> so they see a man born blind, and what is their question? Who sinned? This man or his parents? Because somebody must have sinned. Do you see the assumption there? The very light by which they saw. 
they knew, just knew for a fact, that people like this man born blind were cursed by God at birth. This was actually a common assumption everywhere in the world, both east and the west, everywhere. So the debate was, since he was born blind, genetic issue here, is it a punishment upon his parents, or is it because of his own sin that he was born blind? And I'm not sure what that could be, right? How much sin could a baby in the womb really commit? What did that fetus do, (laughs) right? That was so awful that he would be born blind. Did he, like, bite the mother? (laughs) What an assumption. But it was just so widely held. Some people are just born in sin from the get-go, cursed by God. Why? Why did they think so? Because of certain Bible passages. Those born with such non-normative traits were not even allowed to come to church. They could not take a foot inside, into the temple, into the society of people of God, because they were cursed by God, bound for hell. They're sinners. They can't come to the presence of God. They're excluded. Can you imagine Today we would be aghast if some church went around preaching that any kid born, that's not completely, you know, majority trait. You know, two feet, two eyes, two ears. Something's not completely in line with majority trait. While such kids are cursed by God from birth, They are bound for hell. They cannot join church. How would you feel about such preaching? You don't like it. (laughs) That's, That's evil, right? Can we just call that? That would be evil. That would be evil because of harm it would cause. It would cause unbelievable harm to the kid, and to their parents, to their families. It would cause psychic damage. It would lead to suicidal thoughts. It would invite violence upon those kids because if they are cursed by God, you know, people would be duty-bound to punish them or do anything to them. It would be horrific damage. Evil, pure evil. Yet today, so many devoted conservative churches preach just such a mindset against the LGBTQ community. It used to be outright hateful. Now it's more subtle. But the message and the effects are very, very similar. Pretty much the same. The fact is, some people have LGBTQ bent just the way it is. As an example, there are a couple hundred thousand people in the United States who are born with both male and female genetics. XXY, for example. Not XY, XX, but XXY. 
There's a lot of people like that. They have both male and female traits, physically, or in the brain, or in the, in the hormones, or it's obvious. Gender is on a spectrum. It's a genetic thing for many, many people. I mean, you can find LGBTQ behavior even in the animal kingdom, right? These animals, they are not, you know, this is not like learned behavior. These are animals, <laughs> right? So just because me and the 90% plus of the population is wired a certain way, that doesn't make it normative and blessed by God and anybody else is just cursed from birth and just that's the way it is. Just because I was born with two eyes, two hands, two feet, and straight doesn't give me the right to call anybody else cursed. I am blessed. They are cursed. God is for me. God is sending you to hell. That is evil thinking. You're not allowed to do that. Wouldn't you agree? So why are the LGBTQ community singled out and treated like the worst sinners they are? Because of a handful of Bible passages? Well, there is a Bible passage for excluding people who were born blind from church. Why do we not do that anymore? Why? Why would we pick certain Bible passages and say, that's right, and certain Bible passages, we just cut them out? You know, and say, well, no, I don't want to. Do we have the right to do that? Just cut up passages? Not a good idea. Why would we condemn such practices as evil? And then turn around and do the same thing to the LGBTQ community today. For that matter, why is slavery seen as evil today? There are Bible passages that support slavery. The answer is because we are Christians. We follow Jesus. We are not Bibleians. <laughs> are we agreed? We are Christians. We follow Jesus and his teachings. God is agape. Jesus is agape in the flesh. Unconditional love defines who God is and everything God does. Amen? Amen. So we follow agape. But throughout the ages, there has been a battle within the church and the world at large. There is a battle between morality based on some code, like the rules of the Bible, or Confucius text, or whatever te holy text, or whatever code, versus morality based on agape. Code is easy. It seems straightforward to say, Hey, just follow the Bible's rules. That makes you godly. The problem with that is following a code, any code, even something as good as the Bible, what worked at one time doesn't work at other times and other contexts and other situations. 
That's why we must follow the principle behind every quote in the Bible, which is agape, unconditional love. Bible itself tells us that. Bible itself tells us to follow the principle of agape. And you can ignore certain specific passages. Bible itself teaches us that. If it doesn't follow agape. Jesus himself broke lots of code in the Bible for which the church killed him. We know that, right? We must follow Jesus' example. So in every situation, we must ask, what would serve people? What would actually help people in front of us thrive? And would we like such treatment if we were in their shoes? Then and only then can we get consistency. We can condemn slavery because obviously that is not unconditional love. It's conditional by definition. If you put the condition on certain people because of their color of skin or whatever, you're my slave, I can do whatever I want, that's conditional, right? You can't do that. Code-driven Bible-following ethic failed with the issue of slavery spectacularly for 2,000 years. It held back the whole humanity. The problem with code-based mindset is that it makes you rigid. It keeps you from creative possibilities of our God. Because you get stuck following a code laid down from long ago that might once have been a good thing, but once you get stuck in a mindset from long ago, it gets written in stone, and it gets rigid, and it keeps your mind rigid. It, it, it conditions your mind to follow a code and, and rigid path, and it keeps you from seeing the ongoing act of creation from the loving God who is even now opening up creative possibilities for all of us so that we can step into unimaginably better life that people 100 years ago could not foresee that women and men could sit together and women could lead and good things could happen from that. It couldn't have been seen 100 years ago. But that is what God wants creative possibilities for all of us. So this is my first practical suggestion today. Live by morality based on agape. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. The light by which we see for Christians must be Jesus. So test every assumption. Test every code in your head on every situation. In each situation, ask what would lead to unconditional love here. That will help us break free from assumptions that can blind us both personally and society-wide. Okay, let's get back to the story of this blind man. So consider this man's life. Not only is he blind which is really a bummer, wouldn't you agree? That would severely limit your life. But he can't 
come to church because of a cold following society. And back then, pretty much everything revolved around church. Every social activity, every connection, every, every like, you know, it all revolved around church, and you can't come. So imagine how isolated, alienated this man felt. Very limited options in his life. He is a burden to his family, and he must have been tormented by thoughts in his own head that he is a sinner, that he's being punished by God because everyone else told him so. Have you ever felt small in your own eyes? Have you ever had experiences where people around you made you feel bad about yourself? That you are a failure? That you are a burden? That there's something wrong with you? That you won't amount to much because of this or that? Has such thoughts ever hit you? I think if you're like me or anyone else I ever met, yes, right? Everyone has at one time or another felt at a dead end, feels small, marginalized, unseen. But then here comes Jesus. And he declares to everyone, he is not cursed. It's not because of some sin. There's no sin involved here. The work of God and the glory of God will be shown clearly through him. Can you imagine what the blind man felt as he heard that from a rabbi, from a respected preacher? from a prophet, from Jesus. Doesn't that feel so good? Ah. Right? Ah. Someone is saying the truth, finally. Someone is encouraging. It's really moving. To all of us who can feel so small so easily, this is such good news. This is why Jesus came. Hear Jesus say to you and me. Hear Jesus say to the marginalized, to the LGBTQ community, to anyone who has ever felt small and hopeless or stuck or in a rut. Hear Jesus say, You are worthy, you are valuable. You have dignity, you have purpose, the work of God and the glory of God will be shown through you, you have hope, you are destined. God has a, a God sees in you something great. Amen? Amen?
In your life, over your life, this is the voice of God. Whenever you feel small and stuck, hear this message from Jesus. You are not being punished. It's not because you fall short that you are feeling stuck. There is hope. And God wants to open up creative possibilities in your life. I don't know what that is myself. I'm not God. But something great, you know, that can happen. I um, have had moments in my life where I felt stuck. When, as a young man, I had a skiing accident and I couldn't walk anymore very much and I couldn't even stand for very long any much. I felt really hopeless and dumb. Have you ever made a dumb mistake in your life? And some mistakes, it just costs you for the rest of your life. And was I being punished? Was this a punishment from God? Was it because I sinned? Was it because I made mistakes? That was not my experience of God. Instead, God gave me hope. Instead, God opened up possibilities that I didn't have any right to expect. And stuff happened. And my life got a lot richer. That's my experience of God, and that's what faith is about, and that's what the gospel is, that's what the good news is, that's what faith is about. Amen? Amen. Sadly, what gets in the way is blinding assumptions, rigid mindset. Let's keep reading about code-based assumptions got people stuck. They brought to the Pharisees, church leaders at the time, the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the church leaders asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the church leaders said, this man is not from God. He does not keep the Sabbath. That's a code, a rule from the Bible. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. A second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. The blind man replied, the blind man who was blind, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I've told you already. You did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciples. We are disciples of Moses and we follow the Bible. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where it comes from. Yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do no such thing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. 
So sad, isn't it? These church leaders just could not see. They were just close. They were they are the ones blind, right? They cannot see any other possibility than Jesus is a sinner because he broke a rule in the Bible. You see that? See that? What a warning to us not to follow code because it keeps you blind from God's work happening right in front of you. The light by which we see must be Jesus and what he stands for, agape. As followers of Jesus, we too must go around spreading this message to people who are told you are sinners, to people who are told you are, you are no good, punished by God, to people who are marginalized, people who are stuck in a rut. We too must be that voice, amen, that counteracts such messages. That is what is meant that we are sent. This blind man was sent. Pull of Siloam, meaning sent. This blind man is a message to us. We too are sent. When we see Jesus, when we have Jesus in our lives, we too are sent to this world to be this voice to open up creative possibilities. That is our purpose in life. That is what gives us dignity and that is what gives us a guiding light. In our lives, it's not just about get up, work, make some money, and then you die. What's it all about? Make life about being this voice for yourself and others. In that light, don't ever think, I'm being punished by God because of some sin and mistake, whatever. It's so easy to look for blame. It's in human nature to look for blame as I talk about it again and again. It's, it's in our blood. Who sinned? This man? His parents? Who, who's at fault? Who's to blame? Break free from such mindset. Be more like Jesus, not his disciples here. God is divine. We are the branches. God is always at work to bring good fruit in our lives. I will speak more on this next I speak about this mentality of reward for good people, punishment for evil people, and how we need to break free from what Jesus taught was not that. We need to better position ourselves so our eyes are open to creative possibilities of creative, loving God. And assumptions get in the way. Let's break free from rigidity. Let's be that voice and better and bigger possibilities will come to your life. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. God, 
Thank you that you see better than us. We confess right now that we are beset by blinding assumptions. Assumptions that come from our tendency to look for blame, look for who sinned. Voices in our head that condemn ourselves and others so easily. Voices that limit our potential and potential for our children and our friends and our family. Open our eyes, O oh God, that we may see better what you are doing in our lives, our children's lives, our friends' lives, our loved ones' lives, everywhere. Let us be that voice that follows Jesus and do the work of God who is sending us today to go out there to be that voice to the blind man, to those who are stuck 